0: Good morning. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I uh, just want to say hi to everybody watching online, and just want to take a moment to greet anyone who's here for the first time. If you're a guest watching for the first time, thank you for joining us. Really glad you could be here in the house with us or joining our family this morning. We're in a series called What We Believe, and the past few weeks we've been talking about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit Now, if you've been at our church for any period of time, for a while, you you probably have heard Pastor Gary and also myself share our share of uh, road stories, stories in the car, in the parking lot, on the freeway. We have a lot of road stories to share, and I want to share one uh, that I shared actually a few years back. But I want to share an aspect of that story that I think perfectly illustrates what we'll be talking about today. So it was a particular Monday. It was my day off, and I was in the family, uh, in the, in the family van with my entire family of five, okay? And I just got to make it clear, I was not driving in this incident. I won't say who was driving. Um, okay, it was my wife. Monica was driving the car. And so we're, we're driving down this busy street, and we were in the lane furthest to the right, okay? And there was a car in the middle lane who needed to make a right turn onto a street. But he didn't turn into the right lane soon enough, so he wanted to turn, right? But we were stuck between him and his turn. But my wife, no fault at all, she couldn't go faster or slower because of the traffic, right? So, so she's there. She, has, she can't do anything. This guy's honking, and he ends up missing his turn. And this guy is angry, and he lets us know he's angry because he lays into his horn and he continues to follow us down the street because he already missed his turn. And I'm not talking about he's going honk, honk, honk. He's going honk all the way down the street, causing a scene. And I'm, I'm like, who is this guy? I turn and I know who, exactly who he is it's Pastor Gary. No, I'm just kidding. It's not Pastor Gary. (laughs) No, I know exactly who it is because he's driving his company van with his name, his phone number, and his company's name plastered all over his van. And so what do you think this pastor decides to do? I decide to do my share of community service, and I go to let the community know who this guy is. So I take it to Yelp. And I'd write this guy, I'd write this really honest one-star review. Of course, I changed my profile, took my picture off and changed my name, but, <laughs> but I just let people know, you just got to know who you're working with. And to be fair, this has nothing to do with his business or his service. This has to do with his character. He's full of rage and we all have bad days, but you got to control it. And I just, I just let everyone know. And immediately, like probably within 30 minutes, he responds back publicly to my comment. And he goes, this guy is lying. He is exaggerating. They almost killed me. And he starts accusing us of all this stuff. And so all of a sudden, you have this public social media battle raging. That night, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Not, not the, it was bugging me, not, not the fact that he's obnoxious and, and rude and wrong, but I couldn't sleep because I was wondering, did I do the right thing in writing that review? <laughs> 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 Amen, sister. Uh, no, <laughs> no I, but, but I was like, should I take it down? And what was making it hard for me was at that time we were going through a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And I had just preached on the fruit of the Spirit. You know, like love, joy, peace, patience, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? And I'm teaching people about this stuff, and I'm like, what should I do? Is that how a Spirit-filled Christian ought to behave? Last week, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how when we believe by faith, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and He indwells us, right? He He lives in us. But the Bible also makes a distinction between being baptized by the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. They're two different things. And so what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I want to stop and invite you to pray with me, and let's ask the Lord to teach us what he means by being filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we talk about this very thing right now, God, that you would do that very thing, God, that you would fill us, fill this place with your presence, fill each person here listening with your spirit, God. Take control of our minds, influence our hearts, and as I speak, I pray that you would do that very thing, fill me with your spirit. God, don't just show us what it means, but teach us what it means and then teach us how to live filled with the spirit. God, we want to give this time to you. We give you our hearts, we give you our minds, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. We all say, amen, amen. Last week, we talked about how Peter was sharing the gospel with these Gentiles, right? And as he's sharing about the death and resurrection of Jesus, something happens in their heart, and they start believing, and in that moment of belief, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. The Holy Spirit baptizes them, and they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the reality. That's going to be true for everyone who believes. The moment of true, genuine faith, the Holy Spirit will come to dwell inside of you. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, In him you also... After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So that's true of the Gentiles that Peter talked to. That's true of you, you Ephesians, and that's true of you, South Bay. That's true of anyone who believes. When you hear the gospel of salvation and you believe, the Holy Spirit will come and seal you. He lives in you. He dwells in you. But then Paul goes on in the book of Ephesians, and look what he says to these Ephesians who have the Spirit of God in them. In, verse, in chapter 5, verse 18, he says this. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit. Would you highlight that? Be filled with the Spirit. And so the question is, why does he instruct these believers who already have the Spirit in them to now be filled with the Spirit? Well, we have to understand that the Bible makes two very important distinctions in regard to the Holy Spirit in us. The first, we just talked about all last week and just now, that when we believe, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. When we are saved, he comes to live in us. But the Bible also says that in the life of a believer, there are subsequent moments in your life where the Holy Spirit will shed his influence. He will impact our hearts. He will take control of our behavior and our thoughts. And that's what we call being filled with the Holy Spirit. When he has his influence and it's an impact on what we do, that's being filled. I like how one person put it. He put it like this. He says, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit becomes a resident in you. When you are filled, he becomes the president in you. He rules and governs you. In other words, when you get saved, you get all of the Holy Spirit. But when you are being filled, the Holy Spirit gets all of you. Your head, your heart, your hands belongs to him. That's what we're talking about. So he says this in Ephesians 5.18. Paul paints a perfect picture of what it means to be filled. I'm gonna put it up for you. I want you to think about being filled like this, if you're taking notes. Think of being filled as being under the influence or being controlled by. It's when you are under the influence or being controlled by. And the picture he draws in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Do not be drunk with wine. Right? Do not be drunk with wine because that's debauchery. Right? We all know that when something fills you, what happens when you become really full of that thing? When you are filled with some, something, at some point, what eventually will come out of you? Whatever you're filled with. Right. So if, if you're filled with wine, if you're filled with alcohol, which Interestingly, some is referred to as spirits, the spirits in you, the, the alcohol, and eventually that's what's coming out. And the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you drive, the way you act, your alcohol will start coming out. That's reality. And the reality is, we're not only filled with alcohol, we can't only be drunk with alcohol. We know that in this world, we're gonna be full of pride and arrogance. And if you're full of pride and arrogance, eventually, that's coming out in the way you walk, the way you talk. You might be filled with anger and, and, and rage, and it's going to just take an incident for that rage to come bursting out of you. You might be filled with jealousy or envy in your heart toward another person. It's a matter of time before your treatment of that person starts revealing what is filling your heart. What we are filled with is what comes out. And yet the Bible tells us do not be drunk with wine. Don't be filled with wine or any of these things in the world. Instead, what does the Bible tell us? It says, rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. And remember, we talked about the difference between uh, prescription and description. Last week, we said that description just tells us what happened. Prescription tells us what needs to happen. Well, This right here in Ephesians 5.18 is prescription. In the original language, it is written as a command, Christian, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reality is when we are filled with the Spirit and He influences our thoughts and He takes control of our mind, He starts impacting what we do with our hands, eventually at some point when we fill ourselves with more and more of the Spirit each day, we have less and less of our flesh and our sin determining how we live. We live full of the Spirit, eventually what's going to happen? Well, the Spirit who is in us is what people will see flow out of us. Amen? Now you can tell your friends that your pastor just turned wine into water. (laughs) How cool is that, right? And so be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that though we have the Holy Spirit in us, 1 Thessalonians says that we can actually quench the Spirit. Ephesians 4 says by your sin you can actually grieve the Spirit. So just because we have the Spirit in us doesn't mean we're always living filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question now is, how do we live filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where the Spirit inside of us is filling us and overflowing out of us? How do we do that? And so I want to give you two things this morning, very simple but very practical, that we could start putting into practice every single day. And the first is this, write this down if you're taking notes, we could ask and invite Ask and invite. This is so simple, but I challenge you to actually practice this every day. I want to encourage you in every situation of every day of your life to stop and ask the Spirit who is in you to fill you. Pray a prayer like this. I'm going to give you an example of a prayer you could pray. You could say, Father, will you allow the Spirit who is in me to control and influence my head, my heart, and my hands? influence my thoughts my feelings and my actions that's another way to simply say father fill me with your spirit I prefer to say it out loud and 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 distinguish what I mean by that control me and influence me would you ask the spirit to fill you every day if you read in Luke chapter 11 the disciples say to Jesus they say Jesus teach us how to pray And if you see his response to the disciples in Acts chapter 11, the thrust of his response, the thrust of his teaching, he's teaching them how to ask. Let me show you. Luke chapter 11, starting from verse 9. Turn over there. We're going to be in this uh, passage for quite a bit. But Luke chapter 11 says this. Verse 9. Jesus responds to that request. He says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and to the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. A few years ago, I uh, was taking my sabbatical. I had been a pastor, full time on staff, for seven years, so had a time to rest and take a sabbatical. And during my sabbatical, I was in the garage with my uh, daughter. She was, I think, three at the time. And we were just hanging out in the garage, and it was so cool. These two little birds flew into our garage, and they started flying around. We kind of have a high ceiling in the garage, and they're flying around. We're like, look, look, look. And then our admirations soon turned to concern. Because after about an hour or so, we realized, I don't think these birds know how to get out. I think they're stuck. So, I opened the garage door. I opened the side door to the to the yard and I'm trying to help these birds out and I take a broom and I'm trying to direct them to the exit and they just would not fly out. Eventually, one of them made its way out. The other one just for the life of him could not get himself to exit my garage. And at one point the bird uh, who's in my garage, he perches up on a shelf. The bird who flew out didn 't ditch his buddy the bird actually got another bird or two and they 're sitting on our our fence that separates my neighbor 's house and our house right outside the garage door he 's sitting there and they 're chirping at each other they 're like saying something they 're tweeting each other i don 't know I, seriously they 're calling back and forth and the, the ones outside are probably sitting, tweeting hashtag wish you were here <laughs> hashtag missing you the one inside is hashtag stuck hashtag fomo I want to be where you are and I don't know what they're saying, but I'm really concerned. And so throughout that whole day, throughout the whole evening, I keep going back to the garage to check. Did he get out? And sure enough, every time I came back, he's there. And I'm like, I I really want this bird to get out because I really don't want a dead bird in my garage. I don't want to have to be the one to clean that up, right? So at night, it was time for me to go to bed, and I I took a risk. I left my uh, garage door open all night. The side door open in hopes that he would find his way out at some point in the night. You know, I risk burglars coming in and and stealing stuff from the garage. But I was like, I really want this bird to be set free. So I go to bed. Next morning, I wake up. First thing on my mind is what happened to the bird. So I jump out of bed, and I run to the garage, and I turn on the lights, and I look, and there he is. (laughs) He's sitting on the shelf. But he's, like, motionless. He's just like. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is he dead? Right? So I take my broom, and I gently uh, tap him to see if he's alive. And the bird's alive. But he lets me hit him. He just goes. And he he just lets me hit him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's, like, totally out of energy. He's totally out of strength. He's completely out of hope. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so at that point, I just start praying. And I start praying this, this is my actual prayer, and I start using God's word against God. I said, God, you say in your gospels, in Matthew chapter six, you say you care about the birds of the air. I'm like, do you not care about this bird? God, if you care about this bird, God, please set him free. Please let him go, help him to find his way out. And I kid you not, in the middle of my prayer, before I could even say amen, I'm saying, God, please, if you care about this bird, set him free. In the middle of my prayer, this bird gets up and flies out the door. And I was like, What? I was like, oh my gosh. I was so excited and giddy, like a little kid discovering God for the first time. I ran to our bedroom. Monica was still in bed. It was still more. I said, Monica, Monica, I prayed and God answered. I-, I prayed that He would set the bird free, and the bird just flew out. And I was so excited. But it was like God was trying to teach this pastor that all you have to do is ask. I do care about the birds. I do care about their needs, just like I care about you and your needs. All you got to do is ask. Just ask. And that's what he's teaching these disciples here in Luke chapter 11. He goes on in verse 11, 12. He teaches them. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And if you're familiar with the story, you know the point Jesus is making. If, if, if we as earthly fathers who are sinful know how to good, give, give good things to our kids, how much more our heavenly father who is sinless give good and perfect things to his children, right? That's the point. How much more will God give good things? But have you ever stopped to read carefully what Jesus says? Let me show you, verse 13, let's see what he actually teaches. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? To those who ask him. Have you ever seen that before? Jesus isn't just talking about good things. He, he's saying the heavenly father loves you deeply. He cares for you. He doesn't just want to give you good things. He wants to give you the best things. He wants to give you the greatest things. Namely, he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Does it get better than that in any situation, any scenario in life? He wants to give us the greatest thing he could possibly give us, and that's the person of the Holy Spirit. My challenge to you today is to seriously stop for every situation in life and ask the Father to fill you with his Spirit. My bird story might seem like a silly story to you. But I actually think it's really descriptive of how many of us operate way too often on a daily basis. And This is including myself. How we operate on this gross self-confidence, this tendency to rely on ourself, our own understanding, our own strength, our own logic. When we're trying to get through that staff meeting or that decision-making process, that financial problem, that finals project, that relational riff, that coffee conversation. How quick we are to go to our own resources rather than God's. Imagine with me you're a parent and you have a kid about to go off to college And for some of you, that's your reality. You got a kid going off to college. But imagine, even if that's not your reality, imagine you're a parent and you have a kid who comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I need help with my decision. I don't know, should I go to USC, where all my friends are going, all my best friends are going, or should I go to UCI, where they have my major? Well, the answer we all know is UCI, right? If you're spirit-filled, you know it's UCI, right? Right? No, but honestly, if, if your kid came to you and asked you, help me make this decision, how do you form your decision? How do you form your answer? Do you start thinking about, okay, well, what's, what's, what, what's more affordable? What's going to do less damage to my pockets? Or do you consider what's closer to home? What's going to allow me to see my kid more often? Or which one is going to be more promising for my child's future? What's, what's going to land them a better career? How are you forming your advice to your kid? And then how many of us would actually stop and say, God, fill me with your spirit. God, give me a spirit-filled answer. Control my mind to help me to think of what's biblical rather than what I assume is logical or practical. God, influence my heart, not just to speak out of my flesh, my desires, but help me to know what's your desires for my kid. How many of us are truly... Seeking to be filled with the Spirit. Think about the last time you had a road incident. I'm sure a lot of you have had incidents on the road. When The last time someone cut you off or tailgated you or stole your parking spot. How did you react in that moment? Like, did you, did you react how you naturally would react? Did you respond how you usually respond? Did you even try to restrain yourself in your own strength? And then how many of us would actually stop and pray, Father, in this moment, fill me with your spirit. Control my mind. Influence my heart. Control my actions. Give me your Holy Spirit. Because if you are spirit-filled, the spirit will answer. He will come and remind you of a verse you might know. Remember Proverbs 16? Better a patient man than a warrior. Remember? And then in that moment, he's influencing you. And it's like, oh, yeah, I just read that in my quiet time. And so in response, you take a deep breath. You pull your finger back into the car. (laughs) And you say, okay, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit is in you, he will influence your head, your heart, and your hands so that what comes out is what the Spirit is doing i to come back to this illustration. Here's a different illustration. If we have, um, by faith, the Holy Spirit in us, imagine this is the. Well, <laughs> he just got baptized. Uh, <laughs> imagine this is the Holy Spirit. By faith, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And like we've just been talking, just because you have the Holy Spirit in you doesn't mean He's necessarily seen by everybody on the outside. He's not necessarily filling you to overflowing. But if we would just stop and we would often, daily, open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, and we ask and we invite him to work, to stir in us, to be active in our hearts, in our minds, with our hands, and we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and we keep asking throughout the day, not just once, but multiple times, in every situation, what happens? Well, the Father says he will love to give you the Holy Spirit. He would love to act and influence you. And eventually, what he does in you is what's gonna flow out of you. So, would you ask and invite? Ask and invite. If you have an opportunity to share your testimony with your coworker this week, but you're scared, ask. Because the Father wants to give you his Holy Spirit in that moment. If you're facing temptation and you want power to resist going to that website because you know it's going to lead to sin, ask. Because the Father wants to give you his Holy Spirit in that moment. If you're in life group and you guys are trying to decide, do we do this book study or do we study this book, ask. Because the Father wants to give you his Spirit in that moment to give you insight, discernment. To help you make your decision I want to read you Luke 11 13 one more time if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him ask and you will receive so that's the first thing I want to challenge you to practice every day today start doing that secondly Write this down. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. You guys, in this past year, if you've been here, you've probably heard me share about my story of when my uh, bike got stolen. Um, For a lot of you guys, your bike is just a bike. To me, my bike is my baby. Okay? My bike is my baby. If, If you steal my bike, if my bike gets ripped off, you're ripping out my heart. Okay, because this bike, this, this bike was my, ba- it was brand new, very costly. This was everything to me. And so what happened was we were up in Monterey and up in Monterey, there was this trail that I really wanted to ride. So I brought my bike with me and, and we stayed at this hotel and I couldn't wait because the next morning I was going to try out this new trail. And I, I had, you know, double locked it. I had two steel cables, I methodically locked it. Um, went, went to our hotel room that night. Next morning, long story short, I won't go through all the details. I come back and I find that the two steel cables had been cut through; they had been sawed off, and my bike had been jacked. And I'm telling you, it's like it's like stealing one of my kids. Maybe even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I remember just going back to my hotel room, just absolutely shocked, like just numb. Like I couldn't even call the police because I couldn't even get words out of my mouth. I just I literally crawled into bed and curled up in fetal position. I was so like, I was so like just troubled. And so in that moment, I'm laying in my bed and I had so many thoughts and so many emotions. Anger, sadness, sorrow. But one of the most dominant feelings and thoughts that plagued me was regret. I mean, I I was just kicking myself in regret. Regret was just yelling at me. Why? See, because the night before, Monica saw this whole thing. She saw me strategically, methodically put these cables through and lock it in such a way where no thief can get to. She watched me get back into my car, start it up again, repark it in such a way so that if a thief tried to get to it, it would make it very hard for him. I thought about this. That tells you that in my mind, I knew there was a possibility that a thief could come and take my bike. And I'm kicking myself because that night, there was a voice inside of me saying, Greg, you should just bring it to the hotel room. Just bring it inside with you. You should. I thought about that, but I said, nah, I don't want to go through the hassle of bringing it to the hotel lobby, putting it in the elevator, bringing it to our room. I said, ah, it should be fine. Well, it wasn't fine. Because the next day it got jacked. But I'm just kicking myself in the grid. So here's what I've learned from that. This entire year since that incident, I get these I should thoughts all the time. And you know what I've learned? Do it! Don't live in regret. Like, for example, there will be times I forget something from my office. I've already started my car. I'll drive back, and usually I would just leave the car running. It takes me 60 seconds to run into my office, but then I get this thought, Greg, you should turn off the car. Take the keys with you. Turn ignition off. And you know what I do? I do it. I just do it. If I'm leaving my house just two minutes to run an errand, just two minutes away in my car, I get lazy. I don't want to put on my safety belt, but then I get a voice inside that says, hey, Greg, you should buckle your belt. You know what I do? I just do it. Because I don't want to live in regret anymore. I don't want to live in regret. And so I share that with you because you're going to get these I should moments, and the reality is you do you. You do what you want to do. If you want to listen to your conscience, that's up to you. If you don't, that's fine, too. It's not a moral issue. That's that's just some advice I'm giving you from my experience. But here's what I want to share with you. The next time that you get that I should moment, I want to challenge you to listen very closely to that voice inside of you. Because what you think is just your conscience might actually be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. If you're in this habit of asking and inviting, know that the Father wants to give. And so if you ask, the Holy Spirit will speak. So listen, it might be the Holy Spirit. So how do you know if it's your conscience or your spirit? How do you know if it's your flesh or your spirit speaking? Let me show you. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the Holy Spirit. And in verse 16, it says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And so the reality is yeah, your conscience will speak to you every day, your flesh will speak to you every day. And if you have the spirit of God inside of you, you're asking for him, he too will speak to you. But here's the difference the Holy Spirit will speak to you. God's desires, God's word, God's truth, God's value. Why? Because he's God inside of you. Every day you're going to get these I should thoughts of what you should do. I should exercise today. I should stock up on more milk. I should charge my phone before leaving the house. And some of these I should moments are of no moral or no spiritual value. It's probably your conscience probably your flesh. But if that inner voice is directing you specifically to love God in a specific way or to love people or to deny yourself, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. If if, if that voice inside of you is directing you and reminding you of Scripture, helping you to lay yourself aside, reminding you of biblical values, reminding you of biblical truth, then you in that moment are being influenced by the Holy Spirit. And to listen and obey that voice is to come under the influence of the Spirit in you. John chapter 16, verse 8. Jesus teaches about what the Spirit will do when he comes, and this is what Jesus says. In verse 8, he says, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit speaks to. He's going to speak to what is sinful and to what is righteous and to what will be judged. Your natural flesh isn't pointing you to Scripture. Your conscience isn't naturally trying to help you walk in God's ways. Demonic influence in your life around you or maybe even in you isn't helping you to love God more and love people more. They don't do those things. Who does that? The Holy Spirit of God has come into the world to do that very thing. And so if you are in the habit of asking to be filled with the Spirit, then expect God to answer and listen closely to those I should moments because some I should moments will be the beginning of the filling of the Spirit. So the next time you, you hear that voice saying, I should, I should go ahead and let that car go even though we pulled up to the stop sign at the same time, you should. Just do it. If you get that thought, I should, I should lay myself aside and I, and I should give a word of affirmation or email and encouragement to this person when well, it's just easy not to. You should. Just do it. Or I, I, I should share my biblical convictions with my boss, even though I know he's not gonna agree with me, but this is just what the Spirit is compelling me to do. You should speak up or you're thinking, I should should avoid staying over with my girlfriend or my boyfriend at their house tonight because I know that's going to lead to sexual sin, you should. You should heed the Spirit's prompting. I should keep my mouth shut and not contribute to this conversation right now and contribute to this gossip going on right now. You should. You should not contribute to that if that's what the Holy Spirit is saying. I want to challenge you that the next time you have that I should thought, if it is in line with God's word, and what you know to be God's truth, and to line up with God's values, you should. Don't live in regret. Live in the Spirit. And I'll say it again. If you ask and invite the Holy Spirit to fill you, you shall receive. But when he speaks you should listen and obey. If you ask and invite, the Holy Spirit will come and influence you to listen and obey as to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we start to live a Spirit-filled life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, That night I couldn't sleep, It's bugging me. I just wrote this really brutally honest review, I thought it was honest, about this guy who had this road rage, gave him one star, and I know that Yelp is powerful. I know that it could turn business away. I've seen how Yelp affects people's perception of businesses, and so that night I just kept laying in bed, should I take away the review or not? Is that what a spirit-filled believer does? The next morning, it's still on my mind. I wake up with the thought, should I take it down? Should I take it down? Really, the voice inside me was saying, you should take it down. But, but no, no, this is good. People need to know, right? And so I go to staff meeting the, that morning. It's Tuesday morning. And before we started our staff meeting, we had devotions and then we had prayer time. And so I was in a prayer group with Pastor Caleb and Pastor James. And I shared with them what happened yesterday, and I told them, this is what happened, this is the review I wrote, can you guys just pray for me? Pray that the Lord speaks to me as to what I should. And so they start praying for me. And as we're going around, we're just praying for each other, and as each of them pray for me in this incident, I really sensed the Holy Spirit speaking very clear to me, Greg, you should remove the review, And I felt like it wasn't just like you should remove the review. I felt like the Lord was saying you should remove the review. Then tell him why you're removing the review. Tell him it's because you are a Christ follower. Bring me into this. Bring my name into this. Tell him it's because you're a Christian. I'm like, whoa, that's going a little far. I thought he was going to say, tell him you're a pastor. I'm like, no, that's way too far. That's going way too far. And so I'm like, okay, that's what I need to do. And as soon as we finish praying, okay, I kid you not, within two minutes, we're all making our way to the staff room for a meeting. And within two minutes of amen, my phone goes off. There's this notification. I look, and it's a Yelp notification. It's a private message. And it's a private message from that dude on the road. And here's what he wrote me. This is his actual message to me. Here's what he wrote. He says, Good morning, Greg. This is David from yesterday's road incident. I'm writing to you as I was prompted by God this morning in prayer to write you. First of all, let me start by saying that I am a pastor. What? Are you kidding? A minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I've been serving the Lord for two decades. He goes on to say, I'm not here to say who is right or wrong, but as a small business owner and new one at it, I work hard and strive hard to keep my Yelp page positive. I'd love to talk with you so we can resolve this. I highly appreciate it. In the Lord's service. He uses the Lord's name. David. If this is the worst part, check it out. He has a P.S. He says, P.S., I also hold a Bible study at my house every Tuesday at 7 p.m., and you're invited. <laughs> this guy's trying to save me. <laughs> trying to save me? I wanted to say, I can't. I have prayer meeting Tuesday at 7 p.m. You're invited. <laughs> Let us pray for you, right? Like, what? And, and so, man, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that morning. Apparently, the Holy Spirit was speaking to him as well, and so I went ahead. I removed the review, wrote him back, We had a very nice back and forth, very gracious, and our conversation ended with us just asking the Lord to bless the other person and his ministry. I share this story because here you have two pastors (laughs) caught in this road rage fiasco. And though we have the Spirit of God in us because of our faith, we're not always filled with the Spirit, are we? We're not always living filled with the Spirit. But God is gracious, and I want to say it's never too late to yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, even if it's the next day, even if it's the morning after. Because if you ask and invite, he will influence you. And when you listen and obey, you come under the influence. Ask and invite the Spirit to fill you. Listen and obey when he does. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh God, thank you so much for your word thank you so much for your grace and salvation and god that right there is enough that is enough and yet you give us more than enough you give us your holy spirit to live in us to dwell in us and to fill us god being saved isn't just a matter of praying a prayer and just knowing that we'll get heaven one day it's It's about knowing you and walking with you and experiencing you day after day after day. So, God, we pray that you would fill us time and time again, continually fill us. God, I really pray that it would be a daily habit of your church to stop and ask in every situation, in every moment, That your spirit would fill us, that you would control our minds and influence our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and we would allow the spirit to be the president in us, not just a resident, but the president, that you would govern and control the way we present ourselves to the world. God, may the people see that we're just not people who claim the name of Jesus. We are people who live by the spirit of God that God is literally inside of us. And I pray that that would draw people, that that would actually whet their appetites. And like it says in Matthew 5, 16, that they would see our life, our good deeds, and eventually praise the Father in heaven. So, Lord, we ask for your spirit to fill us, fall afresh on us, stir us, move us, fill us. We ask that now. We invite you now in Jesus' name.